Hello and welcome to Affable Chat, a show where two best friends exchange their thoughts on a movie or a video game or some other topic. And sometimes we play music and movie clips and stuff. My name is Benjamin and I'm joined by my co-host Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're talking about 500 Days of Summer. But before we get to that, we are going to respond to listener voicemail. Uh, we've got one for you right here. Uh, and it's just a reminder, if you want to call us, uh, our phone number is 833-600-2428. Yes, that's 833-600-CHAT. You can call us and leave us a voicemail. And who knows? You might just hear it on an episode of Apple Chat. More like you definitely will hear yes. because we're playing them all. So get pick up that phone, dial that number. Uh, so we've got a little bit of listener voicemail right here for you. Hey, Apple Chat guys. This is Gabriel. I love listening to your podcast. Can't wait for the next episode to come out. Keep up the good work. Ta-ta for now. Uh, ta-ta, Gabriel. Uh, it's so good to hear from a fan of Affable Chat like this good man here, Gabriel. Yes. Gabriel, thank you for calling that, our podcast line. Thank you for letting us know how you feel, my friend. Uh, actually, <laughs> if you're a longtime <laughs> fan of Affable Chat, you might remember Gabriel from our Infinity War episode. He was actually one of our many contributors uh, for that episode. Um, and thank you so much for giving us a call, Gabriel. Um, uh, Gabriel's also my brother, so I hear from him <laughs> in other ways, but it is nice to hear on the podcast. Yes, it is. It's a very wonderful message. Yes, so call that number one more time. That's 833-600-CHAT. Yes, that's 833-600-2428. All right. Without further ado, let's talk about 500 Days of Summer. Tom meets Summer on January 8th. He knows almost immediately she's who he's been searching for. This is a story of boy meets girl. But you should know up front, this is not a love story. This is a romantic comedy directed by Mark Webb. And yes, the answer to your obvious question is correct. He did direct a Spider-Man. He did? <laughs> yes, he did. Wait, wait, wait. A Spider-Man? Which one? I think he did uh, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 or both um, Amazing Spider-Mans. Okay. One, of, so one or both. Not, so which, uh, Andrew Garfield then? Yes, okay. Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, Coldplay Spider-Man, uh, Sony's favorite spider-man i don't know uh everyone's okay. least favorite spider-man well who was in this movie 500 days of summer oh uh don john new girl hit girl and agent colson i watched this movie on youtube joey how did you watch it i also watched it on youtube I, it was on sale for me it was at half price to buy oh really i didn't notice well i'm wondering if youtube is offering me that because i've been buying movies now instead of renting them Hmm. I wonder if they're like, hey, if yes, you're interested in buying, you can get a little bit of a discount. Just keep buying. Keep giving us your money. Which keep honestly, buying. you know, I'll do it. Yeah, cut me a deal. I guess I'm going to keep watching these movies um, <laughs> because YouTube has a really extensive collection. It makes it very, very convenient. Uh, Joey, why don't you go ahead and give us the synopsis for 500 Days of Summer? This is the classic story of boy meets girl, girl dumps boy, 
Boy mopes for months and loses all hope, and then Boy becomes an architect. Yes, the classic story. Uh, this was a movie I've been I've heard a lot about for a long time, but I've never seen it, and it's time to form our own opinions on this one. Had you seen it before? Yes, I saw it once in college. Okay, and it's it's obviously very famous, uh, but this is my first time seeing it. Joey, what did you like about this movie? Give us your pros. Um, I thought it was insightful and unique. It had lots of really great visual metaphors um, and a really great cast that had a great chemistry together. Um, there was a lot of fun, non-linear stuff that was going on, and the characters were all very memorable. What about you? What did you like about it? I, I agree with all of that. I, I think that the cinematography was really interesting. Uh, the non, I, I, I'm a sucker for non-linear storylines, and I think they do this one really well. Because uh, the first thing I thought was weird was the parentheses around 500. And I was like, what does that mean? Is this movie actually called Days of Summer? And the 500 is just because <laughs> people couldn't find the movie without <laughs> searching for 500. Uh, but no, it's just a clever little plot device to help you tell where you are in the relationship, which... It's pretty freaking cool. Actually, yeah. the Wikipedia tells the story linearly. If you read the plot, like um, the summary of the plot on Wikipedia, oh, really? it says at the beginning, it's like, this story is told in a nonlinear storyline, uh, but we, like, they, we've organized it into a uh, straight line. And even the straight line story, I think, is still pretty compelling, but obviously lacking compared to the way they told it here. Uh, they had two, they picked two great leads here. Uh, I think the, like, the young, like 20 year old in love like two hot like people in the office they 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 cast them well so it's like yes. realistic without being they're like obviously these are two movie stars uh who are a-listers they're gonna be um they don't look like normal people but i feel like they cast them well for this movie to be like two attractive yuppies uh just going for it so also i think that the commentary on love in this movie is very authentic which makes this rom-com uh very valuable i think when you compare it to some other ones that are more of like a guilty pleasure or um maybe to be taken less seriously this one yes. i think feels very authentic and says a lot and i think can be cathartic for people who maybe are having relationship issues or have had heartbreak in the past and we'll get into all that of course and if, i really like the soundtrack on this movie uh which is a great soundtrack yeah lots of great music super important and i think they nailed it we'll talk about that also a little bit uh but now our cons what didn't we like about the movie and, and i'll go first i honestly think that the ending of this movie is a little bit heavy-handed um and i i I've, for how realistic this movie was about expectations for relationships and how things actually happen within a relationship it felt a little bit heavy-handed for them to a name the next girl autumn like come on <laughs> uh, but also it it I don't know. Man, this is I'm still on the fence a little bit about this, but it did feel a little bit uh, like it was too happy of an ending to have him meet this other girl uh, within his new career field. Where before I I could I felt like they could have left it a little more open ended to be like he has an optimistic viewpoint moving forward. Uh, but it does mm. it's not a sure thing that you're gonna find this amazing next girl. Right. What about you, Joey? Um. Yeah. I mean. Uh, so you think that it doesn't the ending doesn't match the rest of the movie? Is that what you're kind of leaning toward? <laughs> I I don't want to say that it doesn't because it I think the message there like, they could be conveying that like if you try to move on and you think good things can still happen. I, it doesn't. This movie doesn't necessarily have to be all depressing, um, but 
I just think I was looking for something a little bit more gritty and it came off okay. for me a little, a little bit, bit more realistic. Like, like the rest of the movie we felt like was realistic. Yes. So this, this ending was not, <laughs> it could happen. It could, but I, I guess just for me, maybe I wanted it to be a little bit more grim. Okay. All right. That's fair. Um, some things I didn't like, I, I didn't like that the movie wasn't explicit about why Tom is a bad person. Um, and I feel like that was a little too subtle. Um, and I feel like I kind of agree with the ending, your, your grief about the ending. It engages in the same thing that it claims not to be, uh, which is a little frustrating. So, yep. Okay. Right, and, move on. Yeah. Let's expand on these ideas that we've brought up in our overall section. Joey, take it away. All right. I've written a lot here. So 500 Days of Summer is a classic rom-com. It, it checks every box. It does have a unique twist, and it's aided by its interesting direction and non-traditional storytelling techniques. It is interesting because anytime you watch a rom-com, it is with more suspended disbelief than, say, with an action or a drama. You watch the situation. Um, you know the situation is unrealistic. It's full of inconsistencies. and has just kind of general weirdness. But you also know that the point is to feel good. However, they get to that point, the movie will work. To ask your audience to go a bit further and allow for impromptu dance scenes, split camera shenanigans, and a crazy timeline is not as far of a leap as you might expect. And those who are really great moments in this movie that really stand out, they serve as powerful and entertaining metaphors, even without a lot of consistency between them. You know, you know what I mean? Like when you're watching a rom-com, I feel like the suspension of disbelief is a little bit higher. You're, you're not meant to be as critical of the movie as you are with something that's more like a drama or some, like a thriller or something. Well, yeah, because you, you don't feel like you have to be as skeptical. You're, you're rooting for the relationship. So the things that happen to, to cultivate the relationship, you're in favor of, no matter how. Yes. Maybe there's obviously limits to it, but you're, you're maybe a little bit more easygoing. Right. It's a little bit more, even if the situation is very contrived, you're still willing to go along with it in order to have this happy ending at the end, you know? And like, uh, there, there's, there's a reason that like rom-coms never get sequels because that would imply that the ending was not a happy ending, you know? So there's no like into the future. There's no like distance, uh, with this relationship, you know, it's just in the moment. Oh, it's good. And then you cut before it gets bad. You know, like that's, that's kind of how a lot of the rom-com like situation or the genre works, at I, least from my perspective. I hadn't really thought about that. I can't stand unnecessary sequels. So maybe I need to watch more <laughs> rom-coms. <laughs> yeah. Right. So the story I think is really unique. Um, it strings you along really effectively and leaves you believing that all will work out between our two characters. Uh, when you see that they have broken up, you assume, just like in every other rom-com, that they'll get back together. However, despite Tom's moping, this breakup is really for the best. And it shows a certain respect for real relationships to have this actually stick, as opposed to having that classic, uh, you know, third act uh, breakup that every rom-com has where like, oh, they're so happy and they met each other and like, oh, and now they're like, they're realizing that they're good for each other. And then suddenly something happens, something's revealed and then they break up and then they, it's some stupid reason that they break up and then they get back together because they realize, oh, you know, I can forgive him or I can forgive her for making this kind of mistake. She, he, you know, he didn't mean it. He was only doing it because he really loved me. Right. That's not what happens in this movie. Right. This movie, they break up and it's, and it's for good. They, it's, it's actually better for both of them that they break up. It's, uh, yeah, honestly, I, I think because I knew something about this movie before I watched it, I knew that they were doomed from the beginning, um, which kind of, it's one of those things where like when, once you know that and you're watching it, you, you see it from the beginning. Oh, yeah. 
Um, yeah, yeah, and that's actually what I want to talk about next because I want to talk about Tom. Um, I, I really like him as a pro- protagonist because he's so fundamentally flawed. Um, he's just such an ass the whole movie. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt makes him feel so much more real and makes you like him kind of despite of himself. Um, he is he's this good-looking young guy who tries uh, to figure things out and really believes in loves and soulmates and destiny. Um, but he and that makes him seem like a real romantic. But as soon as you scratch beneath the surface, you see that he's actually really selfish and he has unattainable expectations and refuses to believe that he could ever be wrong. And after his breakup with Summer, he grows a little bit and it's it's satisfying because it feels like this is the next logical step. Instead of winning her back or making some grand gesture, he reflects on his and her actions and makes a change. It's actually kind of nice to to see that happen. Have an arc for your your main character that way. So, so what what do you believe makes him such an ass? What what are the things about him that make Tom so unlikable? Well, so uh, after this movie came out, um, they did they had an interview, or Justin Gordon Levitt did an interview with Playboy actually about um, this movie, and he he was quoted as as from I'm going to quote from actually a HuffPost article because I think the play, original Playboy article no longer exists, but here's here's the quote. The, the, the 500 days of summer attitude of he wants you so bad seems attractive to some women and men, especially younger ones, the actor said. That's Joseph Gordon-Levitt. But I would encourage anyone who has a crush on my character to watch it again and examine how selfish he is. And this is not him speaking. Um, in the film, Summer tells Tom she is neither looking for a boyfriend nor believes in love. Tom cares for uh, th- these warnings or cares little for these warnings and grows extremely attached to her. After they break up and Summer gets engaged to another man, he enters into a deep depression. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, quote again, he develops a mild, uh, mildly disillusional obsession over a girl onto whom he projects all these fantasies, Gordon-Levitt explained. He thinks she'll give his life meaning because he doesn't care about much else going on in his life. A lot of boys and girls think their lives will have meaning if they find a partner who wants nothing else in life but them. That's not healthy. That's falling in love with the idea of a person, not the actual person. Gordon Levitt later uh, uh, made it clear that he really liked the film um, and took more issue with the audience's response than the storyline itself. A a part of the movie that's less talked about is that once Zoe Deschanel's uh, character dumps the guy, he builds himself up without the crutch of a fantasy relationship and he meets a new girl, Gordon Levitt is quoted saying. So... That, We're gonna I drop in some really facts. Whether you like love it or hate it, you have to agree. <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt is spitting straight facts. So I remember, I remember seeing this a while back, and I, I remember it reframing the way I saw the movie the first time because I remember thinking that Zoe Deschanel's character was kind of standoffish, and you know, like, like why did he like her at all? Kind of, she like she was pretty, but she didn't have much like else going on for her. Watching it this time, it's so much more clear that. Both of these characters, neither of them really know like what they want, I guess, and neither of them is very good at explaining what it is they want or or able to like say um, like very clearly so the other one understands that uh, they are kind of switch tracking constantly. They're, one thing thinks that this situation means this and the other one thinks it means something else. Um, and the Joyce and Gordon Levitt's character, Tom acts like Zoe Deschanel can read his mind. He like acts like he doesn't care. He acts like he, he doesn't actually like her. And it's, it's very confusing. Um, cause you know that he knows he thinks that way, but he's not expressing himself in an, in a like accurate way. It's well, interesting. Well, yeah, especially because expressing himself in that way would likely mean the end of the relationship. And that I think is one but of even those before that. 
But even before that, he's like, he's like, oh, I gave her plenty of chances, right? And he doesn't even ask her out. He, uh, right? He's like, he's too afraid. He, he like plays the music really loud. Um, there's something else that he does. He says something to her to, um, oh yeah, he's like, says he says, really I weird. think you know exactly what I need. Yeah. Like, it's like, so cringe, dude. And he's <laughs> like, like, what uh, do you, toner. what do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's just like, um, he, he, he thinks that he'll say something or he'll act a certain way and she'll pick up on it and then just uh, like, you know, fall in love with him or something. Well, yeah. And I mean, uh, I can definitely understand where he's coming from, especially, uh, when Zoe Deschanel talks about how she doesn't want to be, or I guess I should say Summer, talks about how she doesn't want this to be too serious when they're in the Ikea bed. And his response is obviously not super enthusiastic, or, or I don't know why it would be, where you're like, oh no, like good, I, I don't want this to be like, I don't think anyone would really, he reacts maybe how you would organically do it. But at the same time, you can tell it is kind of hesitant, his replies, where he's just like, yeah, I guess it's, yeah, it's casual. It's, it's you know, we'll take it slow. And I think that that's rational at the very least from his perspective, because even though this relationship began with like, I don't want something serious. Like it's, it's from the beginning has had this kind of, uh, part of it that, you know, it's not going anywhere. It is just casual. Uh, but at the same time, he's like, if the longer it goes on, the better the chance that it, that won't be what it ends up being. So he, yeah, but not if he never says anything. <laughs> well, that for sure. But also it is kind of unfair to assume that because it was so clearly stated at the beginning that, that, this is what it is. So for him yes. to just be like, okay, I'm going to ignore that. It's kind of being like, like he's got a kind of thick skull there thinking that just ignoring what she has clearly stated is going to somehow change it. Exactly. And I think that's the real lesson of this movie. I think we have a tendency to act or think like Tom does. Um, but the idea that the world owes you something is not just silly. It can be dangerous and lead to lots of heartbreak. Uh, I think this idea is, is really good and served in a package of a rom-com is powerful and unexpected. But I also think the message is framed too subtly. Uh, watching and knowing the ending, it's clear to me what the intention was. But if you weren't prepared to read into this, would you get that lesson from this movie? There are plenty of other rom-coms with truly problematic people, but the movie doesn't expect you to read into it. It expects you to accept that this idea that conformity is good. There is someone out there for everyone. Be like everyone else and you will be happy. To subtly imply anything other than this to rom-com viewers is to overshoot the basket. It's not that people who watch rom-coms are stupid or aren't paying attention. It's just not part of the normal language of the genre. It's asking someone to watch an action movie and pay close attention to the politics behind the action. It's just not what you're expecting and easy to disregard. The ending doesn't really help either. The ending tells us that Tom uh, was right all along and that destiny and soulmates in love all exist. It's funny to have the next girl in Tom's life be named Autumn, but doesn't that undermine the entire point of the movie? And maybe the point wasn't to say uh, love is more difficult and different than how it seems in the movies. Maybe it's con contributing to the exact thing it's, yeah, it's contributing to the exact thing it's claiming not to be. Yeah, and I, I echo that as because as... I felt like this movie earned so much credibility throughout with how realistic it was as far as your expectations for love. It's not a fairy tale. This is real life. It's going to sure. suck. 
um, a lot of the time, and there's no guarantee that there's going to be a happy ending. Also, the happy ending, is, there's no ending. It's not like you guys find each other, and then you both evaporate and head to like a magical relationship land where there's no problems. There's still more to the story, so to, and again, they do kind of leave it ambiguous, you know, she she kind of says that she she has to meet somebody else, so she can't do coffee, she's hesitant, you know, so just, again, there's no guarantees or whatever, but I agree, yeah. just the uh the way it ended made it just it kind of undermined what we were building to at that point which was this whole like rugged outlook on what it takes to be in relationship and not investing too much yeah plus having the whole thing start like the counter restart and everything makes it imply that he hasn't learned anything you know (laughs) that he's he's just starting back from day one and he's just got this this crazy ideal of what he's what he wants in a relationship well yeah it's interesting that you said sorry uh excuse me excuse me uh excuse me it's interesting you said expectations because there's that really awesome uh, point where there's the expectations next to reality yes. scene, uh, which is one of the most iconic scenes in this movie uh, where he goes to the party and you see it from two points of view, what he expected to happen and what actually happened. And it's like, um, it's so great because every little thing in there is like, uh, is something up for debate. Like he, he arrives later than he, exp- he wanted to, uh, when he, when he meets up with, uh, when he walks into the party, he waves everyone in the room and everyone waves back to him in the expectations. Uh, but in reality, of course, nobody knows who he is. So they don't even pay attention when he walks in. So it's like, uh, the, uh, the whole movie kind of plays with this idea of Tom has certain expectations for what's going to be, what this relationship will be. And it never matches with what reality is. And isn't that the way it goes though? I, I uh, yeah. I think about stuff. I overthink things uh, too much, especially before they happen. And then it ends up being a huge waste of time because reality ends up being completely different from what happened, sometimes in a better way, sometimes in a worse way. And I've definitely, I've been in this exact same situation where you have this anticipated reunion with somebody who you used to be involved with in the past. And you have, maybe expectations is putting it too firmly in what you think will happen, but at the very least, like hopes that when you Mm. show up that it's going to go like this and it's that's going to be perfect and you show up and something completely different shows like happens and like i've even been in i've haven't been in this exact situation where like the girl i was interested was married (laughs) i was like what (laughs) but i have been in that that same thing where you like you show up and you figure out it's not happening and it's what you thought was going on is not and that sucks like it hurts and it's um it's upsetting and I, i love the way that they portrayed it here uh, in 500 days of summer because I, I'm like, dude, so relatable. And the, the way they put it though, is just is so masterful. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I saw, I read a, um, interview with Zoe Deschanel and Joseph Gordon-Levitt 10 years after this movie came out. Um, they sat down and talked about it and they said, they talked about this, that one scene. And they said that, that, that expectations versus reality scene really articulates something that a lot of people have a hard time talking about or have a hard time understanding why they're upset in a certain situation and it's be- and it really is because your expectations are too high or your or reality doesn't match it um i mean i find myself doing kind of similar things where like i'll have imaginary conversations with people you know like oh this is how i imagine it's going to go and i like whenever i start doing that i, I try to stop myself because i realize that it's like I'm setting myself up for failure. It never goes the way I expect. You know, whenever I imagine a conversation with someone else, it never happens the way I have it scripted out in my head. And um, and all that does is just make you frustrated. There's a great uh, quote. Uh, I don't know who it's by. I probably should know. Uh, but it's a classic piece of stoic w- wisdom. It says, uh, do not wish for what you want to happen to happen. Wish for what will happen to happen. 
that is stoic <laughs> I, I like that a lot I um I kind of I like to look at it the other way where you start to think of a situation where it would something really bad would happen you're like what if they asked me this and oh my gosh what would I and then it yeah. ne- ne- doesn't happen you're like what was I worried about why was I even thinking about that you know so it can go both ways but this movie definitely helps you to come to terms with sometimes we place our our hopes a little too high um you know this is more argument Definitely. to live like the dude just live in the moment man don't look <laughs> ahead just never look ahead never plan just never try right well then you won't have this exact feel um which this movie is so full of feels i i i really i'm glad that i watched this movie now that i'm i don't know i've been in relationships at this point like i, I wasn't uh I I feel like I uh, identified a little bit more with Mackenzie, at least from a like relationship expert perspective, because uh, throughout grade school, I didn't like really date. Like my mom said I wasn't even allowed to date till I was 16 and I was a good boy. I followed the rules. Um, not that there were people exactly clamoring to be my girlfriend, but you know what I'm saying? So um, sometimes it can be frustrating to see a, like a romantic comedy at that age and be like, I don't know if any of this is real. You know, this might be totally (laughs) screwing me up and giving me bad advice or bad expectations. Uh, But now that I'm a little bit older, I've been been in some of these situations. I'm like, oh, that is how it is. You know, (laughs) I'm glad I'm glad that it's that is how it is to an extent that it's in a movie that I that I can feel a little bit better about my participation in that sort of situation. And I felt like that a lot um, throughout this movie. Uh, while we're talking about sequences, like the expectations versus reality sequence, another sequence I thought was great was this uh, starring in a French film about like oh, that was being so heartbroken good. and lonely. <laughs> so funny. It was like I love that. artsy. You know, it's like they were like saying... In black and white. Yeah. What were they it saying? Suffering. The on the street. Like, endless yeah. suffering. Suffering. <laughs> suffering it like focuses on him and on her <laughs> suffering i love the one where he meets the mime and he gives the mime the balloon and then the mime just lets it go and he's just like he's like <laughs> horrified he's like why did you do that and and dude that you can't put it any more blatantly than like playing chess with cupid and cupid wins and he's like sorry like try again next time yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's good so that was i love that i i, I really I think it's commendable how much this movie goes outside of like the default plot or like uh, storytelling structure because there is mo- this story is mostly told in kind of like a normal movie way, but sure. it goes into these other things that keep it interesting. At any moment, anytime we're switching between a moment inside these 500 days, could be something that is completely brand new. Another one I really liked was the characters uh, directly addressing the. Uh, camera where they're talking about their own experiences where oh uh, yeah yeah Mackenzie kind of makes fun of himself about never having been in a relationship and you know talking about like I she should be cute but I you know I I'm flexible on the cuteness like because that's another thing too maybe this is another uh, opportunity for people to see themselves in the in the film but uh, I mean I won't name any names but I definitely know people who have never had a girlfriend and they're and they're my age you know they're in their twenties. And relationships are are still just a concept. You know, it's not something that they can draw from their own personal experience from. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's definitely being in that situation, you would feel like it's a bad thing. I think society tells you it's a bad thing. Uh, but I, I think it can also be just a result of your lifestyle and, and the way that you choose to live your life. And if you're happy at the time being, then that's not necessarily 
the worst thing in the world. Yeah, but the way that that's framed is that all of those all of those experiences are kind of equal. The only yes. one that that's that's not really is Tom's because he has nothing to say. That's right. Um, and he, I mean, they've caught him kind of in a bad moment because they've if they asked him that you know six months earlier, then he would have had a great answer, and then a little bit after that, he probably would have had a better answer. So, you know, in the moment, he was still in this flux about what he really believed, and um, and having some sort of answer about. Uh, from all of those characters it's interesting how all these different perspectives on love what i also think is interesting is that the movie doesn't really conform to a certain like style at all like it keeps switching between all these different things it keeps moving between reality and, and non-reality right when he's like in the theater it's him on the screen uh there's that that awesome dance sequence after he has sex with uh summer for the first oh, time oh yes and he's like dancing down the street and everyone in the park is like joining in and, and like uh and dancing too and there's like, an animated, animated bird, bird. <laughs> yeah <laughs> the fountain is going off as he's walking by yeah it's um but like you don't see that happen anywhere else in this movie so it's just like this fluid nature of this where they're experimenting with all these different kinds of ideas to to really tell the story that they're trying to tell it's cool it's super cool and that's why i I love movies that are multifaceted like this like if you're not so interested in the relationships type stuff which i think is one of the more impressive things about this movie you can also be a fan of it because of its ambitious uh cinematography and uh, the way that it changes styles on a whim. Yeah. Uh, so I, I like that a lot. So more relatable, like dating things or just kind of relating or uh, dating topics that this movie brought up. What do, what's your opinion on dating coworkers? It's a bad idea. I, yeah. I think it's a bad idea too. What, what are the common, what are the common cliches for this? That's like, don't dip your pen in the company ink or, um, <laughs> don't one that I've heard is more crude that I don't, I don't, see, I don't really see where it comes from necessarily, like how it could be literally taken, but it's like, don't eat where you shit, or yeah, don't yeah. shit where you eat. I knew you were going to say that. And <laughs> Which, again, these are definitely cliches, uh, but I, I tend to agree, um, especially because I work in a field that's dominated by men. I assume every woman that I come across that is in the same line of work as me, that she's under a constant barrage of unwanted attention from coworkers. So I just, I'm like, I don't need to add to that. I don't need to pile on to that. I will calmly treat you like a normal person instead. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, for sure. I mean, I mean, we were in a a fraternity together um, and I dated someone in the fraternity, which turned out to be, I mean, it was, it it can be messy because, you know, you have all these, uh, all these uh, relationships uh, that are intertwined between friendships and, you know, professional uh, relationships. Um, there are people that were dating people, you know, uh, within the fraternity who broke up and then it becomes tense. It's like, who am I, you know, who should I talk to? Like, yeah, yeah. like how much space do I give them? Like how much, which like, one of obviously... you got me in the, in the divorce, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cause in the other situations where you're like, where you're, you're dating someone that's, you know, not in your related field or something, it's like, it's possible that you might never see them again or, or see them very rarely. You know, yes. and like that can be that can be really helpful in uh, helping you move on. But having to see them regularly makes it makes it hard. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. Distracting, at least. It, it's one of the things it's like a major deterrent for me. If, if I can't if I can't visualize if I don't have a plan of how I could cut you out of my life completely uh, without changing anything about how I'm already living my life, then I don't kind of don't want to date you. Uh, but <laughs> but be, the thing about that is it makes it super hard to meet people like that and get to the point where you're dating them because it's like i only want to date people that i rarely see well guess who you 
you rarely see people you rarely see. So it makes your opportunities for starting a relationship way less frequent, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think that the pros of that situation outweigh the cons of breaking up with a coworker or someone that you see regularly at something and having to deal with, you know, with that. I don't know. I think there's, I think there's a lot to be gained from that too, because you're, you're at least similar enough. You know, you have at least similar interests, which is um, something else I want to talk about. But the having the, uh, uh, having at least that base that baseline like is a good place to start any relationship whether that's a friendship or something more serious so yeah i, 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 I guess I, I don't completely agree with your assessment there i think that you can't be so cold i guess to say oh like how, what's my escape plan you know how do i get out of this right and i realize and i'm being completely honest here when i say that um it, ha- it hasn't been a rule that i've always stuck to that's just uh, in theory the best situation would be somebody I could be like, all right, we just broke up. Something went horribly wrong. I don't have to see you ever again. <laughs> that would be ideal. Um, but you're right. It's something that I don't want to be. Uh, what I want to say is only the d- Sith deal in absolute. So okay. I, I don't want to say that any of these are hard <laughs> rules, uh, but it is something. It is how I feel. And uh, well, like t- starting any relationship has its risks. You know, there's never going to be a situation where you're you can get out completely clean. And that's, uh, you just kind of have to like weigh it, I guess. And say like, you know, what's your pros and cons here? What are, what is, what's your, uh, you know, what's your matrix of, uh, of assumptions? You know what I'm talking about? Mm, you know, I have like type seen one, type two errors. Uh, <laughs> you know, you put it, you, you put like, I assume I'm right about the situation or, or, or I act on the situation versus the, what the situation actually is. And you like put that in like a two by two matrix, and and in one corner it's I assumed correctly, and I did something about it, and that's good. That's you know thumbs up. Yes, yes. Then there's the I think it's type one error is when you do something about it, but you were wrong about it. So then you the fallout of that is a certain thing. Right. Then there's oh you were right about it, but you did nothing, mm-hmm. and that's type two error, and that's that's also you know negative. And then there's you were right, you were wrong about the situation, and you did nothing. So that's good too. You avoided whatever situation you're trying to do. Yeah. That's the kind of I I play with those matrices all the time. That's what I did before I started dating my current girlfriend. Actually, I wrote uh-huh. it out. I was like, "What are my like, like I I have it in my little notebook." It's like if I I assume that she is like that that there's a connection there, and I act on it. Like those are my two points of of reference. And either I embarrass myself, like the or I uh, or I miss out on a great opportunity. And seeing those two errors like mapped out and seeing like, oh, like I'm a, a, like I can either continue to be like, continue to wish or continue to wonder, or I can find out for myself. And I'd much rather find out. And I felt like the, you know, the risks really didn't outweigh the out, like the benefits in that situation. And I was right. No, <laughs> I, I, I think that's a great way to look at it. It's very engineer way for you to look at it. And there's still so much subjectivity to that. You know, it's like, how much risk are you willing to to put on yourself? You know, how much heartbreak are you willing to endure in order to, like, hopefully find someone that you really connect to? Yeah. And I mean, I, I follow a similar um, matrix. I guess I, I don't really graph it or put it on an Excel spreadsheet or anything, but I, <laughs> I think it through. And a lot of times the answer is like, okay, if I ask her out and she says no, then we're not going to date. If I don't ask her out and she 
and she doesn't have a chance to reply, then we're not going to date. So I have nothing right. to lose. The same result. <laughs> like, <laughs> at least got to try. Uh, it's yeah. It's it, it, you could even boil it down to be more uh, simple. Just you miss every shot you don't take. Uh, yeah. But but Wayne Gretzky, you take that shot in your workplace and you miss, then you do have to deal with some repercussions. Yeah, there are you repercussions. put that on your, you know, I think people make this calculation, like it sounds kind of like so analytical, but I think people make these calculations all the time. They just don't realize it exactly. And that's part of, that's part of the matrix. It's like, oh, I act on it and I misread the situation or like it ends it really poorly. That's something you have to map out beforehand. Yes, no. And I think it's definitely part of the calculus that, uh, that goes into the whole whether you date someone who's in your circle or someone who's outside of it because you're like is this person worth potentially screwing up what i've got going right Uh, and you know it's you just got to take it on a case-by-case basis but i just thought it was an interesting part of this movie they kind of they kind of sidestep it because she doesn't work for them for very long she doesn't it's not even like a career choice for her really it's just like a job in the city uh so it's a lot more fluid but it does allow for one of their most integral uh exchanges which was when they go out with the part with the company to karaoke and then Mackenzie drunkenly spills the beans about how tom feels about summer so it uh you you do get that advantage of like forced interaction if you're trying to date somebody within your workplace yeah and then watching him like fumble with that situation was so frustrating because you he, he he feels like he's like oh i should play this cool you know oh i should you know say uh, no nothing committal that right, would so, be good so you're you're talking about the part where she asks him directly do you like yes. me? yes yes in my and experience like, you only get asked that by girls that like you yes that's hey. right and she <laughs> like i don't know i mean it's a movie so everything's exaggerated but her body language and everything and the way she lingered there in front of him it's like very clear that she wants him to do something and she knows that he does and that's why she approaches him later like it's so frustrating that like and that's that's present throughout this whole movie is his um, inability to say how he feels and act on those feelings. It's uh, yes, no, and that's definitely a huge flaw that Tom has. But also something that you could come across, uh, you know, in, in relationships on your own. I mean, those moments are super tense where you're like, you know, I've been I, I like this girl. I've been thinking about her a lot. Here's my opportunity. Better not blow it. You know, and sometimes that pressure can get to you where it's like she wouldn't be asking me directly because she actually likes me. She wants to ask me directly so she can embarrass me. Like yeah, if I so say yes, can... <laughs> then I can. It's all a trick. Exactly. You know, and you can get paranoid like that. So I, I love the way that scene was uh, portrayed because I've, you know, I've been in that situation. I know that feeling. Um, and it's tough. It's exciting. It is, but it's also very anxiety inducing and hoping <laughs> that you, you know, you walk away from that exchange being like, Oh God, should I, did I say the right thing? You know, is this gonna, yeah, you obsess over every little word. Is yeah. this going the way I want it to go? So it's, uh, I don't know. I love talking about this stuff, but it's also so stressful, <laughs> um, but okay. So another, um, think i kind of want to talk about was the uh having a job because you want to and not because you need to because this this i i don't know there's there's more on this that we'll talk about and like when we get to the quotes but like having a job that you just go to because you have to have a job uh this movie definitely tells you you shouldn't have that you should go to something that inspires you or you should try to find meaning in your life through that which i thought was a lot to ask you know they kind of shame (laughs) people who just work for a living no, no, no. Did you get that at all? Um, no, I don't. Not exactly. It's, um, I think the implication isn't so much that it's like, it's bad that you should do that, I guess. It's more like, 
you should eventually pursue the thing that you want to pursue. You know, they don't like, doesn't make, it doesn't make Tom feel like he's a bad person or that he's like ridiculous or that he's like uh, lying to himself by doing this, like by doing this greeting card thing. Not exactly. It's more like he's, he's not, he's so unsure of himself that he doesn't want to take the risk of, of, you know, not of doing this. It's, it's very similar to his relationship with summer, you know? Yes. Um, and it's actually that there's a quote, which I thought was really, was like really good here. Uh, why make something disposable like a building when you can make something last forever, like a greeting card? This is his line at the, at the party, which is clearly one of those practice, like, Oh, I hate my job lines. Yes. Um, and, I don't know. I, I I like the whole metaphor of him working at a greeting card company where it, everything is kind of a fantasy, you know. Oh, Everyone's, it fits really well with the story. Don't get everything's me wrong. Everything's like uh, you know, nothing lasts. It, like everything it's written in there is written by somebody else, and it's all they're all cliches, and you know, uh, they don't really mean anything. Um, and then there's being an architect, which is like building something that really lasts, something that's important, something that's actually beautiful and difficult to do. Unlike a greeting card, which is like, ah, I had uh, two seconds of inspiration and now I have you know, a one sentence I can write down and then people can buy it. It's such a hilariously minimal job to me. I'm like, how do you do this all day? I loved the seeing all the different rooms they had and like all those like workshops they had and stuff. Oh, it's so funny. Well, it's one of the things that I really liked about uh, like the, there were two aspects of like his work or, or there were two times where his emotions and how he, his actual life was going heavily impacted his work. Uh, there was when he was sad and he got moved to the sympathy section, yes. which was like so that I felt like we were still watching. Uh, Sorry to bother you with how corporate <laughs> like heartlessness is like, Oh, we can turn that into profit. Like <laughs> you're having a, your existence is falling apart and you're not, you're hopelessly depressed. That'd be perfect for Channel that to your guys. work. Yeah. And then, uh, the other one was when he's on this, uh, he's fully in love, having an amazing relationship. And he yeah, yeah. suddenly is killing it, like doing extra work, helping the others, like struggling parts of the card company do better yeah. with his brilliant ideas. Like, have you tried like with the, with the religious uh, cards, he's like, have you tried Mary? And they're like, Oh, that's yeah, it's like one word. And everyone's <laughs> minds are blown. And, uh, because obviously the reason that flashback happens, cause he saw the song, that are the the card that card, says yeah. I love us, and uh, that was obviously inspired by his own relationship. Uh, but I thought that that was hilarious the way that those his job kind of um, intertwined with how he was doing in both yeah, ways, yeah. positive and negative. Definitely, I, I don't know. I didn't get the feeling that it was like a like give like go follow your dreams no matter what kind of message. That, that's not what I got from. Well, it. Summer definitely was pushing that though. She immediately sees through the facade of. Tom, yeah. because I mean, he has his little, well, that's what you do in a relationship. It's like you build up the other person. You like, you know, if they have some sort of dream that, you know, you need to like do everything you can to help them achieve that. Yeah. And I guess it, it, my, it was kind of clear that, that like architecture was his dream, but I kind of got a, like, I can't date you unless you're an architect kind of vibe out of really? it, you know, not, not necessarily like literally summer, but it's like, you aren't going to find the girl of your dreams if you're working at a job that isn't impressive. You know, um, I, I'm obviously hmm. reading hmm. into it too heavily. Uh, I thought but, that like autumn, the reason that he like autumn was such a, uh, a good prospect, I guess, is because she was in a similar field to what he actually liked and actually was passionate about, you know? Yeah. Summer was just a secretary. That's right. It a would job give that him, he didn't even like. Yeah, a reason so, to like her that's actually her, not just like 
the idea. Plus, was he even a good architect? The first building you see him draw is like literally just a big box. (laughs) And then he erases it because he's like, this is a stupid box. Well, yeah, it's like, I don't know what the, uh, what makes a good architect. I mean, if you're, I feel like the structural integrity of your building is one of the most important things, but also everyone's going to look at it. So it's a little both. I don't know what architects do, honestly. Uh, they no. what they do is they have uh, interesting relationships because another prominent fictional architect is Ted Mosby of, of course. I Met Your Mother fame. <laughs> um, so, you know what I'm saying? These, uh, as they say in the streets, dude, like these hoes love architects. So, uh, that's something this, <laughs> can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Right. I know. <laughs> um, okay. That it, I think is going to do it for our overall section, and I want to talk about the songs in this movie, specifically um, two of them. But uh, the first one is the t- kind of the title sequence song. It's "Us" by Regina Spektor. I'll play a little bit of that right now. Okay, so first off, I love Regina Spector. Like, I am like legitimately in love with her and all of her work. I have a playlist that I regularly listen to called All Regina. Um, it's only my favorite Regina Spector songs, and it's 55 songs long. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> absolutely adore her and her music and one of the reasons is because and and one of the reasons i think she pairs so well with this movie is because she has kind of a similar tone with a lot of her music where it's hopeful about love almost idealistic at times but also realistic because there are many sad songs that regina specter has about the realities of heartbreak one of my favorites is called how um, and it's a song basically about the prospect of moving on after you lose somebody that you love. And, and it's not the type of like, oh, it was a bad breakup. I hate you kind of thing. It's like, how am I supposed to do this again? I feel I felt so deeply about this relationship and now it's over. How do I begin again? And, and to also talking about the feelings uh, that you are going to have to leave behind and how she doesn't want time to take those away. Um, it's really, I don't know, it's all very emotional. And, and Regina Spector it has such a beautiful voice and such an interesting way of composing her music. Uh, I, I just love it all. I could go on and on and do a whole podcast about Regina Spector. Um, I, Us is a banger. Us is one of the, like, 
Regina Spector songs, I feel like you could show to anyone and they'd be like, oh, this is, I like this song. Um, not one of the B-side tracks, but which I'm a fan of all of her tracks and none of them are B-sides to me. But um, Us is, is another good one. And I'm, I'm so happy for the inclusion on this movie. Also, there's another Regina Spector song that plays later in the film called, um, I think it's called Hero? Uh, yes. Yes, from Begin to Hope, 2006. And um, again, just Regina Spector pairs so well with this film. Yes, I completely agree. I knew, like, as soon as I heard her voice, like, is that Regina Spector? Oh, Benjamin has something to say about that for sure. I knew how much you like her, so. Oh, yeah. So it makes me like this movie even more. Yeah, I think it pairs really well. All the music in this movie is, is really good. The soundtrack is great. I agree. And another song that's on the soundtrack, we, we mentioned it earlier, but the the sequence that plays right after uh, they sleep together for the first time after tom and uh summer sleep together for the first time is you make my dreams come true by holland oats like how can you listen to this and not totally start like jamming out Dancing. you know It's a good one. It's a it's a real classic. And uh, that sequence is so good because again, yes. it's another one of these things. And it's like I'm starting to fear that I'm coming across as someone who's like never watched a romantic comedy before because I'm like, <laughs> oh man, so relatable comedy, romantic comedy concept. But that feeling when it doesn't necessarily have to be sleeping with someone. It can be anything. But for you, like as a person who's heavily invested in the relationship, to cross like an important milestone which could be anything could be first kiss you know it could be just the first date it could be sleeping together for the first time but like you cross that threshold and you and you feel good about it the next day you're invincible like this movie did such a good job of showing what it feels like where you strut out there you're like yeah i am the man yeah yeah and uh everybody everyone knows it even though they totally don't yeah yeah exactly (laughs) like you just have this certain glow to it he's like even before the like the dancing starts he's like giving the finger guns to people and like giving people high fives and stuff shaking his hands yeah (laughs) kissing people's hands and stuff yeah and then like of course the whole dance sequence happens uh yeah i i think that's this movie's biggest strength is it's relying on the visual metaphors and like playing with that and not caring so much about it being like realistic or or having some sort of like even realistic um like stuff on the screen it's all about uh giving that feeling to you and, and understanding what what they're trying to convey and i think that's way more powerful than just saying oh like i feel so great today and he walks into <laughs> the office you know his like, arms are swinging hey, guess who just got laid boys yeah like- yeah exactly <laughs> comes in and gives mckenzie a high five yeah this was so much better than that especially because it does continually grow in absurdity to the point where there's an animated bird on screen so yeah um, i thought all that was extremely well done and and the perfect whatever they paid for the like licensing of this song was worth it because it's it's <laughs> perfect for this feeling 
All right, so that's going to wrap up our songs. Honestly, this whole soundtrack is pretty good. If you liked those songs, you might want to check it out. Uh, but it's time for us to move on to our quotable moments, where we actually are going to play you clips from the movie and then talk about it. Uh, and I believe I have the first clip, so here we go. I don't know, man. I think it's official. I'm in love with Summer. I love her smile. I love her hair. I love her knees. I love this heart-shaped birthmark she has on her neck. I love the way she sometimes licks her lips before she talks. I love the sound of her laugh. I love the way she looks when she's sleeping. She's like the wind. I love how I hear this song every time I think of her. I love how she makes me feel. Like, like anything's possible. Like, I don't know, like, like life is worth it. I hate summer. I hate her crooked teeth. I hate her 1960s haircut. I hate her knobby knees. And I hate her cockroach-shaped splotch on her neck. I hate the way she smacks her lips before she talks. And I hate the way she sounds when she laughs. She's like the wind. I hate this song! I think this is another relatable relationship moment where you are kind of in that honeymoon phase i think as people label it where you're just totally enamored with someone and everything about them is wonderful and you can appreciate everything and i I especially want to hone in on the the last part of the first quote uh, where he says i love the way she makes me feel like anything is possible like life is worth it and this is a great feeling i think you know, if you've been in a relationship, you've probably had this feeling where just somebody just solves everything and you just, you think about them all the time and it makes you so happy. And when your phone screen lights up and it's, it's a message from them, uh, you know, you just, you feel all warm inside and it's great, but it's also kind of a, um, you gotta be careful because this person like in that moment can feel like the reason that life is worth it, but that's way too much pressure to put on one person for them to be the reason that you exist. Oof. You got to be. Oof is right. (laughs) (laughs) Big oof. So even though this sequence is so beautiful because he's appreciating all these things about her, like, especially because he he says, like, I love her knees, you know, if you love a girl's knees, you're you're in love, dude. If you're thinking about her knobby knees, if you're thinking about her knees, you're 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 there, dude. You're You're talking about we're talking about foot fetish in the last episode. (laughs) Knee fetish. Knees. No, no. See, that's the thing. Knees are like objectively non-sexual. There's nothing sexual about knees at all. Uh, So so if you are like totally in love with a girl's knees, you're like, this is without lust at all. (laughs) This is pure love, real authentic love. (laughs) Anyways, um, even though that is portrayed in a very beautiful way, obviously his friend immediately is like. Oh boy. Like he knows that he's screwed. This boy is this, uh, what is that? What's the slang for that? Caught feelings. Is that the, uh, I guess. Yeah. That, sure. Yeah. Like it's going, ah. seems like it has to be more than that. No, there's definitely a better word for it. I'm, I'm, I'm tripping right now, dude. As there's a better word for like what it means to be totally in love. Um, that's, it's escaping me right now, but let's move past it. Cause the, they, this is another example of the opposite feeling, which is the total hatred for everything that they are once they've like wronged you in a relationship way, uh, which is, I think is another relatable thing. You start to hate everything about them. Um, I think it, it can also be kind of a conflict where it's like you hate them, but you don't want to, you know, where you still want to feel those other feelings. Well, it's like, hate. I've always heard that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. Hate is actually very close to love. It's it's like 
it's the passion is still there. Right. It's just um, directed in like a more negative way. Yeah, you have to care to hate. Exactly. So I, I, I mean, it was pretty obvious that they did these, you know, kind of as the opposite of each other, but I still think it works well. No, I think it does too. I think that's, I think that's another one of this movie's strengths is that because it's not told in a linear way, it, it plays with the idea of memory and how he remembers a certain thing about her or he thinks a certain way about her. And then looking back on it again, uh, he sees that actually those things aren't as, uh, as he remembers them uh, or maybe they're, they're in, uh, interpreted differently. Actually, I have, a, I have a quote that will fit with that pretty well, which is near the end. Look, I know you think that she was the one but I don't. No, I think you're just remembering the good stuff. Next time you look back, I, uh, I really think you should look again. Uh, after this or before this, around this in this movie, he's uh, um, reflecting on his feelings about Summer. And you see him like re returning once again to these happy memories he had with her. Um, and he they play out for a little bit longer they don't cut quite as quickly and you start to see the the bigger impact of it which is um which makes him realize that actually this relationship has kind of been doomed for a long time and um uh, because what's interesting is when you first see all this stuff together it's when he says that she broke out, up with him out of the blue like there was there was no warning whatsoever but in fact she was giving him plenty of warning he just wasn't listening as usual it's a hard thing to do at least for me, to look back on a relationship that you didn't want to end without only seeing the positive things. Absolutely. Especially because if you're a willing participant of a relationship, you are actively looking past the things that don't make you happy or that you don't like because you want the relationship to work. So I think even consciously making that choice to look for those things is a step towards moving on. Yeah, exactly. And, in, and realizing that like it wasn't perfect, that you have... You have this idealized version of what it was like in your head, but that's not really what it was like. And there's a reason that things didn't work out. So, yeah. I think this is really, really great. I think it's a reframing everything like this is, is such a, I, I mean, it's basically like Fight Club level of like re-editing, you know, where it's like they're returning to old moments and reframing them in a new light and showing you like, oh, wow, like this is actually different. And watching it for the second time, I was paying close attention to Joseph Gordon-Levitt's like facial reactions and stuff. And if you see that very first scene where they're sitting on the bench together and she's holding his hand, she has the ring on, he he does not look happy. You know, you when you first see that scene, you're like, oh, are they smiling at each other? She's smiling. He's not smiling. He's kind of grimacing. Um, and it's, it's more clear, like as you see those scenes again, even though they're like not quite to cut in a way to make it clear, there are still those hints of like deterioration in there. It's pretty awesome. It is pretty cool. It, it definitely makes it worth watching again. So what happened? Right, you ready? Yeah. So there we are. Nine more floors to write, just me and her. Hey, Summer. Hi. How's your weekend? It was good. Can you believe that shit? I'm sorry, what shit? I think I missed something. She said, it was good, emphasis on the good. She basically said she spent the weekend having sex with some guy she met at the gym. Skank, whatever, I'm over it. What the hell is wrong with you? Another great example of uh, Tom's insecurity and um, immaturity. Uh, when he asked Summer how um, her weekend was, uh, she gives him kind of a cryptic, it was good, and he reads way too into this. I mean, yeah, it wasn't thing. that cryptic. If anything, it was just 
wasn't there was nothing in that answer <laughs> that's true uh, uh, cryptic is maybe not the right word it was kind of vague but I he guess. he viewed it as cryptic he yes, viewed he it was as like something to oh be i know exactly what that means because that's what he's picturing her doing like he's projecting so obviously it's the same thing as when she's talking about her exes right and she calls him and she calls one of the guys the puma like oh they called him <laughs> the puma and he just imagined that means he has a giant dick <laughs> you know like, she doesn't say that it could mean anything she definitely doesn't help him avoid thinking that, though, when she talks no, no. about how they hardly left the room. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. She, um, She's not completely innocent in this movie either. She's definitely not helping the situation or and, and in a way not listening to him either. But it's, uh, I don't know, I think like the, the majority of the blame falls on Tom's character or. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it kind of goes both ways because. It was kind of obvious what he was going for, but it wasn't what he was saying. So I think she no. has at least plausible deniability. Yes, that, that's, that's especially true. because she is the one who uh, initiates the breakup because she saw it. So I, I, honestly, nobody is faultless, but I think Tom definitely bears a lot more of the blame in this one. Yeah. All right. Next quote. So you have a boyfriend? No. Why not? Because I don't want one. Come on. I don't believe that. You don't believe that a woman could enjoy being free and independent? Are you a lesbian? No, I'm not a lesbian. I just don't feel comfortable being anyone's girlfriend. I don't actually feel comfortable being anyone's anything, you know? I don't know what you're talking about. Really? Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let me break it down for you. Break it down. Okay. I like being on my own. Relationships are messy and people's feelings get hurt. Who needs it? We're young. We live in one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Might as well have fun while we can and save the serious stuff for later. Holy shit. What I think is interesting is that up to this point, you don't know that much about Summer. You actually really don't know that much about Summer throughout this whole movie. But one of the things you know about her is that she gets constant attention from men in her life. Oh, yeah. We totally glazed over the fact that she, like, impacted, like, music sales in yeah. her region of She's Michigan. She's, like, certifiably, like, statistically more attractive than anyone else. 212% <laughs> increase in revenue at the ice cream shop she worked at. 9.5% below market value on, like, average for the apartments that she rents. And, um... She averages 18.4 double takes a day. Like, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because I thought it was an impressive stat line for Summer. It is an impressive stat line, but it also is like a, I don't know, I, I think it lends credence to this idea that the narration is completely within Tom's head and he has a, like his idealized version is kind of projected onto the movie and the movie's told from his perspective, obviously. Um, but in this situation too, like, for for an attractive young woman like Summer here, you know, she gets a lot of attention from people that only seem, you know, that is unwanted or unwarranted or anything like that. You know, she kind of has the pick of whatever guy she wants to date. And that, and that doesn't mean that she's going to find love very easily. You know, she feels like, you know, I can just find somebody to settle down with eventually. You know, that's that's how this works, I guess. Her like her experience with the relationships has been way more, I feel like, one sided than it has been with other with for other people. Yeah, that's a good point. Where it's like everyone who shows up is desperate for her affection. Exactly. Which is so a, it's a, it gives her a different perspective on how the world works. It's a very empathetic way to look at her situation to say that must be tough for her. Because <laughs> I know Well, so I think many it gives people... her this outlook, which I think is not very helpful. You know? It's it seems 
it seems so cold, you know, and like, what, what was it, how they introduced her? It's like, uh, the, she only loved two things, her long, dark hair and how, when she cut it off, she felt nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's very, uh, kind of like, uh, emo uh, yeah, summary and- bio for someone. <laughs> <laughs> she's your, uh. Um, she's your scene GF. Yes. Your goth GF. Yeah, exactly. Your big titty goth GF. Everybody, <laughs> everybody wants one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, at least that was what I was thinking about when I was seeing this, like her worldview has been influenced by her relationships and her relationships have all been like this kind of weird warped way of seeing things because everyone kind of approaches her and she kind of gets to pick whatever, you know? Whereas Tom has always had to work for, and everyone else, I guess, has, has had to work for it and build up this relationship over time. It's it's, it's way more of a communal thing almost. Um, so I don't know. I th- That's kind of the idea I got. But I also feel like it's important to note that she changes her mind and that like, just like Tom, she doesn't, she doesn't really know what she wants. Yeah, that's true. And at least she's, she's upfront about it. We can give her points for clarity uh, because there's yes. no doubt about what she's looking for in like a casual relationship. Also, before we move on from this quote, I don't want to glaze over the are you a lesbian line because <laughs> I at the very least, I hope we've moved past that in 2019 where if a girl is like, I'm not dating anyone right now, where the first thing that someone says isn't, are you a lesbian? <laughs> Are you a lesbian? <laughs> Got him. Like, this is comedy. Classic. <laughs> 2009, people. Yep. Very funny. Very funny. Um, all right. Next quote. So what are you exactly? I don't know. Are you her boyfriend? It's not that simple. Sure it is. What, like, are we going steady? Come on, guys. You know, we're, we're adults. We know how we feel. We don't need to put labels on it. I mean, boyfriend, girlfriend, and all that stuff is... It's really juvenile. So, have you ever been in this situation? Have you ever been in that that point where you're like, kind of between nothing and official yes, relationship? Yes, I, I have, and I, you know, it's like instead of saying she's my girlfriend, I say she's the person I am dating right now. You know, it's just like a more, <laughs> it's a more elaborate way to say the same thing. It just yeah, has no, more I, words in it. Yeah, well, I've heard people who are like, it's this girl I'm talking to right now. You know, yeah, it's like yeah. a very casual thing. You talk with everybody, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Just, yeah, I talk to a lot of people. Yeah, I talk to a lot of people. This means nothing to me, but uh, but it is, I don't know, it's, it's a thing. Um, but as much as I think that it's a very real part of navigating a relationship is deciding like when you get to the point where it's like, are you my girlfriend? Are you my boyfriend? Are we FBO? Right. Are, are we Facebook <laughs> official? I think we've talked about this before. I've never been Facebook official. I've been, never been in, Facebook official? I've been in plenty of relationships, but never at any point did I say, did I think that Facebook was worthy of reflecting that? Really? <laughs> um, I just don't, I think that has, that's more of a reflection on Facebook than it is my own relationship like, status. But um, I don't know. I guess it is also kind of, I, I do kind of like to keep my relationships to myself. Yeah, sure. I mean, I... Back when I used Facebook a lot, I definitely put more weight into it. And then I, I dated girls who it was important to them that it was Facebook official because uh, of the status that that, you know, gave to other people, which I respected and, you know, did because it didn't matter to me because I hardly used it. But I mean, I'm not Facebook official with my girlfriend right now because 
Facebook matters even less to me. Than Facebook it used knows to. you're dating, anyways, though. They <laughs> data true. mined it. They it's like we can calculate with ninety eight percent accuracy that these two are in fact in a relationship and have been for this amount of days. It would be pretty easy to to scrape through my data and find that. So, <laughs> like, uh, d- don't mess with a Joey born in. When's your birthday? In March. Don't mess with a Joey born in March with a girlfriend because I like Bionicles. That's definitely a t-shirt that has been advertised to you. Wait, is that a t-shirt? Is that a real t-shirt? Can I get that t-shirt? Oh, I'm sure you can. Can you, set, can you uh, send it to me? Just spend enough time on Facebook. It'll get advertised to you. Excellent. Um, <laughs> I love those shirts, dude. <laughs> so I love good. seeing them in public. I don't really see. I haven't seen that many myself, but I've seen like images posted on the I've internet. Never seen, like, I've never seen one in public or online, except for in Curtis Connors, Connors video. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this getting back to this quote uh, where he's having these conversations with his friends, and it's so obvious how kind of the uh, leaps in logic that he makes in his own head that when he has to say them out loud, or, they, they just seem so obvious to his friends. Um, and I think that's important. But I think it's a... I've seen this, I don't know if it's scientifically studied, but I, I did a little research on like some relationship articles I found online about men and who they talk to about their relationships. And compared to women, men are very secretive about their relationships and rarely talk about them unless they're doing really well and it's like a very low risk exchange of information where the person you're talking to probably already knows about it and you're more of just flexing on them um but girls on the other hand apparently on average obviously don't want to generalize here but girls in general are more open to sharing the status of their relationships and even who they're just have a crush on and uh, you know how they feel about certain things whether it's going well or going bad and i don't know i think that's I think that men should be more open to talking to their friends about these types of things. Yeah, I mean, well, I, it, I, I mean, excuse me. There, uh, I think that's true for any topic, though. It's not just relationships. Men tend to be more closed off and, and you know don't share as much personal information with their friends as 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 women do, which is like a contributor to like depression in men or like suicide in men or like just general feelings of loneliness it's like why do i feel so lonely maybe i should tell some of my friends about how i feel like (laughs) (laughs) it's just a uh that's not tough joey it's just a product of our environment which is uh, kind of a a, a bad thing i don't know listen joey if you're gonna tell me something about your your uh something personal about yourself it better better be your personal record on the bench press (laughs) (laughs) it's it no it's something that i guess i didn't really realize until i talked to some of my friends that are girls about relationship stuff and they all knew each other's business. <laughs> Meanwhile, like if, if you were to ask one of my friends about any of my relationships, they would probably have more of a general knowledge as opposed to anything specific. And they would only know retroactively once the relationship has co- concluded as opposed to like up to the minute news yeah. on what, what's going on. So uh, part of that is, at least for me, I, I take... I like to think that my relationship is my business and the person that's in the relationship with me's business. So I don't, I don't feel like I need to go telling everyone about the stuff that we do and who we talk, what we talk about. And you know, it stays between us, but at the same time, I think it can be really beneficial to open up to your friends and um, you know, let them know how you're feeling. So at the very least when you're having issues or having problems, you know, talking about like, you know, if you're having a fight with someone, you know, trying to bounce ideas off of another person, a neutral party can be like really enlightening and show you where your blind spots are or, or maybe where you need to make changes. You know, all that's like 
you can get so blinded when it's just you and her talking about whatever. Well, yeah, and it's also it is emotional labor. Have you have you yes. heard this term, emotional labor? No, I don't. Uh, but I think I understand it. Well, yeah, your friends need to also be willing to hear that stuff, and I think they are. I think they're more willing to hear it than you think, um, either because they care about you or because like that's the tea. Yes. I'm swirling my <laughs> Starbucks tea right now. That's the tea. They want to hear about the drama. Um, but I don't know. It's something, at least just from these scenes, it's something I hope that I can do more in the future is talk to my friends about stuff like this, uh, because it does seem pretty enlightening and it, and it can really help just to talk things through. Um, even though I think a lot of the times you, what's going to happen if you do ask people for help or let them know how you're feeling, you might just get a bunch of cliches and the benefit might just be you talking things out as opposed to them actually giving you concrete advice on what to do because A, you can only give them so much context if they're not truly involved, if you're just telling them about it. But also, there's plenty of things that are true that still will not help you in this situation. <laughs> like for instance, um, like going through a breakup and they're like, don't worry, there's plenty of fish in the sea. They're objectively correct. There are plenty of other dating options there, but that means nothing to you in the, in the moment of a breakup. If you're crying, you're missing this person. Someone's like, Hey, just a reminder. There are other eligible people to date. You're like, Oh, okay. Now everything's better. Thanks. <laughs> you know, like the, thanks for that enlightening piece of information, friend. Um, which I think this movie also had, uh, where they even said that line, plenty of fish in the sea. So, um, you know, as much as a relationship is between you and another person or <laughs> ma many people, if you're polyamorous, um, it, I think having a support structure with your friends can be really beneficial. Yeah, that's something that that's something really positive that Tom has. He has those two really good friends who he talks to about his relationships all the time. And they're, they're pressing him on details about the relationship, you know, because they want to know what's going on and what, how he's feeling. Because he starts acting super weird as soon as he starts dating Summer or as soon as he meets Summer. Um, and I mean, that ultimately results in a big change in his life. Yes. And, uh, also his little sister is like a relationship expert. Yes. Uh, which I thought was free. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Just the, the age difference in that she's like so much, like she takes time off her soccer practice to like yeah. give him advice. The doctor is in momentarily just to give him some wisdom. You were so completely, completely uncool in there. Wait, wait, are you mad at me? I just got my ass kicked for you. Oh, really? Was that for me? Was that for my benefit? Yes, it was. Okay, well, next time, don't, because I don't need your help. You know what? I'm really tired. Can we talk about this tomorrow? So this is a fight that uh, um, Tom and Summer have after Tom tries to defend her honor in a bar after a guy is harassing her. But does he, does he really do that? Or is he only protecting his own honor? Okay, so back in 2009, I'm pretty sure, um, well, honestly, I, I love this stereotypical douchebag that this guy is in 2009. He is like uh, such a perfect douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> Hitting on this girl in front of her boyfriend. Like, that's just... That just seems Bro, like it's a very drinking? unproductive way to go about like hitting on women. It's like, oh, this she's clearly here with hey, him. Let me still how, try this. How you doing? What are you drinking? <laughs> but... Dude, oh no, but his his uh reasoning, his he was like, it's a free country. You know this guy has a MAGA hat today. Ten years later, this man is rocking the MAGA hat and using like that as justification for other other <laughs> ways to spend his time. Um 
<laughs> but to get back to your question, no, this he very clearly did not do this for uh, summer. In fact, the situation had already uh, kind of fizzled out yeah. before he even threw this punch. Right. It's only after he says, I can't believe this guy is your boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. And which, again, brings the the attack straight to Tom. Yes, exactly. To That's what prompts him to punch him. It's not all his you know approaches to Summer. In fact, every time he says something to Summer, he doesn't say anything. He just uh, he only says something after Summer introduces him. Um, and yeah, it's just uh, I don't know. It's an interesting. Um, it's an interesting dynamic, you know, because it's like, oh, I punched this guy for you. I, you know, I did this thing because this guy was harassing you. And, but it's it's so clear that it's not what happened. And like the fact that he would result or like resort to violence in that situation just says so much about how like immature and ineffective his own communication is. Um, and having, you know, Summer react badly to it is is perfectly reasonable, you know, because, you know, he's not being rational at all. He's not acting in a way that even sort of makes sense or, or it is, uh, you know, emblematic of someone you want to spend your life with. Oh yeah. I mean, just being prone to violence, I think is already a huge red flag. Uh, you know, it's like you're, you're punching our MAGA, like make America free to hit on women in relationships again, type dude. But you're also like, when is that going to turn into turning and punching summer in the face or something she did, you know? So already for me, it's very problematic that you're on the look, you know, on the lookout for fights. Yeah. Um, but also because this one is so easily avoided. I love the concept of somebody coming up to me and being like, that's your boyfriend. Like this is totally out of this world that this like ugly, like loser is your boyfriend because you're still her boyfriend. Like you're still, no matter what this guy thinks of you at a glance, you already are with the girl that he can't get with. So the, I think that that is a compliment almost because it's, it's a phenomenon that happens. Um, and I, again, Twitter, they talk about this all the time where they're like, you know, some of you girls need to break up with your, like your ugly naked mole rat boyfriends who are like, you're a beautiful woman, but you're dating this grotesque creature. And I'm like, those grotesque creatures, like they give me hope that I also can be one of them uh, because women aren't all super shallow and sometimes they're looking for like the personality. So it's like, yes, <laughs> it can happen uh, and it'll make it can happen. You know, it'll make Butch over here super pissed off. Uh, the next quote is actually just after that. No, you know what? I'm not going anywhere till you tell me what's going on. Nothing's going on. We're just... What? We're just what? We're just... No! Don't pull that with me. Don't even try to... This is not how you treat your friend. Kissing in the copy room, holding hands in Ikea, shower sex? Come on, friends my balls. I like you, Tom. I just don't want to relate. Well, you're not the only one that gets to say in this. I do too. And I say we're a couple. God damn it. Friends, my balls, Joey. Friends, my balls. My balls. Um, I think he was making a really compelling case for how that they're not just friends. But saying friends, my balls, definitely, it just takes some wind out of his argument. Because if I, I laughed when I heard him say that. Maybe it's just jargon has changed since 2009, but I haven't heard somebody say like my balls <laughs> without being silly in a while. 
I don't I don't think that's the only reason that he kind of falls in his face here. I mean, this is a one of the only moments when he really kind of says what he feels, and he does it in a very inelegant way, in a kind of inappropriate time, you know? And he's not like he has a point, right? Like you're not the only one who has a say in this, but he's not giving her a say, is he? He's saying you're a cup, we're a couple, whether you think we are or not. So again, like it, it's our just... relationship is still relevant. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's just you know paradoxical, and it's just I don't think that's what he's saying here is really what he means. He really means like I want you to acknowledge that I'm important to you. Um, because you are so important to me, uh, but I feel like I'm not getting the attention that I deserve or I, I need, I guess. I don't know. It's um, Fights like this are so interesting because it's like we're fighting because we like are together. You know, We're fighting about the nature of our togetherness. Like We couldn't be further apart in this moment because we're so like diametrically opposed, but we're together. That's what I'm arguing about. Well, and then she, once this is kind of resolved here with air quotes around resolved, she shows up at his place and tells him she understands why he wants to be able to feel like, you know, they'll wake up every day and they'll still feel the same. But she makes the argument that no one can make you feel that way. Yeah, um, that's kind of abusive, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like there are people who can make each other feel that way, but after getting to know you for the last few months, like I know for a fact no one will ever make you feel that way. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> but, which is not what she's saying. I what she's saying is that her fundamental belief about love is that it can end at any moment. And it, not even love, it's just um, you know, feel, liking somebody or sure. being attracted to them because obviously Summer is not uh, she doesn't believe in love, but she she's telling basically explaining how she feels um that someone no one will ever take that feeling away from you uh that you'll always there's always a chance that you'll wake up and they won't love you anymore and that's that um that's what she believes and i think what the concept of marriage tries to fight against that feeling where it's like at the end of the day i can count on this person still to have my back because they signed the paper on the dotted line legally they have to (laughs) yeah well i i mean i believe at a certain point that um a certain point, love becomes stops being something that you just automatically feel and becomes a choice that you make. And I think that's that's part of why relationships are hard and why it takes work is that you have to continually remind yourself why you fell in love with this person. Continually remind yourself to you know show appreciation or for things that they're um, you may have taken for granted. You know, it's a it's it's not an easy thing to do, but it. It can be worth it if you are willing to put in the effort. Things have been a little difficult. That's okay. I completely understand that. I'm just saying that perhaps you could channel those energies um, into something like this. Funerals and sympathy. Misery, sadness, loss of faith, no reason to live. This is perfect for you. So you already mentioned this before as like a example of corporate greed. I think this is interesting because I feel like Tom is kind of a miserable, miserable person throughout this movie. Um, he's like constantly down on himself, constantly uh, talking about like how kind of just being dramatic in general, talking about how he's like nothing will ever work out for him. Or uh, I think there's something where he says uh, like in a world where uh, good things happen to me. And he's like, oh, and his friends are like, that's not the world we live in. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, he, he's, I mean, part of this is just being dramatic, but part of it is also 
like he has this very negative view of the world and summer tries his belief that summer loves him is something that builds him up but it's really not enough for him to change his worldview him being so depressed that it's like noticeable uh that he would get called into the office but that depression being like it's so severe that it's noticeable but it's still not enough for him to consider anything besides work like he's like this you're so sad we've taken a notice to that and it's like so we're gonna move you to the where the sad people work is so much more heartless than just we are looking out for you we'd like to help you get happier you know yeah that's definitely true yeah so just throw back, you know, just again, throw back to sorry to bother you. You want to see some capitalism Corporate gone wrong? Oh, yeah. Check out that movie. There's two options, really. Either she's an evil, emotionless, miserable human being, or she's a robot. This is after um, uh, Tom's failed date or during his failed date with that new girl who went on a blind date with. Um, and he's still obsessed with Summer. Um, and he's complaining and crying to her and talking about her. Um, and he's comes to this thesis, like there's only two things that she possibly could be. But my thing is interesting about this is that for a moment, for a brief moment, you almost think he's going to be self-reflective and almost (laughs) say like, Oh, she's either an evil, emotionless, miserable human being, or I totally misread the situation. And actually I'm kind of an asshole. No, that's not what he says. <laughs> that's not what he actually <laughs> believes. I I just love this because it's like this, the pause is so subtle. For just a second, it flashes through your head. It's like, oh, is he actually going to make a change for the better for himself? Nope. Yeah, what a waste of time this was for his blind uh Yeah, I feel so day. bad for her. She was perfectly nice. Um, <laughs> there's, this reminds me of something that I, I follow an account on Twitter that's called Close But No Potato. Um and their their bio says dipshits on the verge of a breakthrough uh and usually it's exactly kind of this where it's like it seems like someone is going to like reach self-reflection but they just narrowly miss it like for instance um for instance charlie kirk do you know who charlie kirk is no he is the founder of turning point usa which is like a conservative media organization yeah i think i've heard of them so he has a quote. It's like, if liberal college professors don't discriminate against conservatives, then why do conservative students get lower grades? He's like posing this question as like <laughs> proof that liberal like uh, professors are actually. But but what he's really saying is like, if they don't, then why do they get lower grades? Could it be because they're stupider? Like, <laughs> which would be something a stupid person would say. <laughs> Um, but it's full of little image macros and tweets like that where somebody is that close to self-reflection. Unf- unfortunately, it's it's not a one-to-one to what's going on here because Close But No Potato, I think, definitely is left-leaning. And a lot of the stuff that they bring up is like dunking on conservatives. Sure. But but it's definitely in the same vein. of like <laughs> You're on the verge of a huge realization, but you just narrowly miss it. That's right. <laughs> which is freaking hilarious. Um, all right. Next quote. I think technically the, the, the girl of my dreams would probably have like a really bodacious rack, you know, uh, be different hair. Probably, you know, she'd probably be a little more into sports, but um, truthfully, Robin's, Robin's better than the girl of my dreams. She's real. Which I thought this is a really sweet thing to say. And, kind of. <laughs> well, 
I've never been in a relationship nearly as long as our man here. What's his name, by the way? This is Paul. Paul has been in a relationship since like middle school. Uh, I actually do know somebody who's been in a relationship that long. Really? Uh, Are they married? Yes, and they have a kid in a house, and like this has all been planned out. It's like this is that's a whole nother topic. But someone who's been in a relationship that long, I think, would have some insight on the girl of their dreams. And obviously, they're putting him juxtaposed with um, Mackenzie, who's never been in a relationship, and our man Tom, who's right in the middle of the, he's in the thick of it. But I thought this was just really sweet uh, that he's. She's better than the girl of his dreams because she's real. She's not some ideal that he's chasing forever or trying to make someone else conform to. She's a real person, and because of who she is, that's what makes him love her. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's something nice to this. Although it's also a little bit like I settled here. Like that's kind of the message I'm, I'm, I'm also reading from this. But I think the, the bigger, the better way to say this would be like she's, um. You know, she challenges me in a way that I didn't think I needed to be challenged. I like I she pushed me in a direction that made my life better, and I never even considered that being an option for me. Um, and I think that's um, th- that's more so like the perfect person for you. Okay, yeah, he doesn't necessarily give a lot of positive reasons uh, around Robin besides her being real. But I think the the dream yes. girl things they're all surface level um and it, i think it, he helps us to look a little deeper than that even if he doesn't actually give us anything deeper <laughs> <laughs> yes it is kind of sweet go for it and you can do it that's not inspirational that's suicidal if pickles goes for it right there that's a dead cat this is lies we're liars and think about it why do people buy these things it's not because they want to say how they feel people buy cards because they can't say how they feel or they're afraid to we provide the service that lets them off the hook. You know what? I say to hell with it. Let's level with America. Or at least let them speak for themselves, right? I mean, look, look what, what is this? What does this say? Congratulations on your new baby, right? How about congratulations on your new baby? Guess that's it for hanging out. Nice knowing Sit you. Sit down, Hanson. How about this one with all the pretty hearts on the front? I think I know where this is going. Yep. Happy Valentine's Day, sweetheart. I love you. That's sweet. Ain't love grand? This is exactly what I'm talking about. What does that even mean? Love. Do you know? Do you? Anybody? Tom. If somebody gave me this card, Mr. Vance, I would eat it. It's, it's these cards. And the movies and the pop songs, they're to blame for all the lies. And the heartache. Everything. So this is uh, the, uh, the quitting um, a speech we all wish we could give. Essentially, it's a little bit of a catharsis for Tom to stand up and say that green cards are it's, it's all a, a racket. It's uh, none of it's real. And it's like, yeah, it's like, you, you know, it's like if you work at a cigarette factory, it's like you never say, oh, yeah, but either way, these things are killing everyone. Like, <laughs> it's just like the unspoken rule. It's like, don't say that. Everyone knows it. Don't say it. Right, right. Um, and uh, I think he uh, kind of, I mean, kind of nails it here, but I think it serves to propel his own frustration into um uh, with his relationship with summer of how he like there's this idealized idea of, of how things are supposed to be and everything's supposed to follow a set plan and that's not what happened that's not what happened i thought it was going to happen and it didn't happen um and the, the greeting cards are just kind of a symbol of that 
I also think it's interesting that he mentions movies and pop songs um, because this movie indulges in pop songs and uh, it's a movie. Um, and it has the same kind of ending that all other rom-coms have. And that's like a happy ending with, um, you know, the, the people find love or, or something. Um, and although the, the ending is not quite what you expect from this, it's still indulging this idea that true love exists and destiny and fate are real. And that if you just search for long enough, you'll find the woman of your dreams. So do you agree? Do you feel like uh, the way romance is portrayed in pop culture is problematic? Yes, I do. Um, I, you mentioned earlier how, like, uh, or I mentioned earlier how um, rom-coms end too soon. They don't show you the like the lasting results of a relationship. I that I feel like is the hardest part of a relationship. The mo- the boring days, the days when nothing happens, when it's just you and her, and there's nothing to do, and you just have to you know live. There's the grand gestures, you know, running and chasing down her airplane and stuff. That you know that doesn't prove that you love anything. That doesn't prove that you love her at all. I think that's that's the easy stuff. The hard stuff is the boring days, the days when there's just, you know, it's 50 years down the line and you're still with this person and you have to find some way of making that interesting or 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 whatever, or not annoying at least. There are certain, uh, there's a movie, uh, Date, I think it's Date Night with Steve Carell and uh, Tina Fey that I feel like is a really a really good example of a, better rom-com because although a lot of crazy shenanigans happen and it's all very hyper real and, and strange it's about a couple that is like struggling to f- to find the spark in their mar- marriage they're, they've settled into a routine and they don't they don't feel like they really love each other they don't they've kind of forgotten why they fell in love in the first place and the movie kind of serves as a, a catalyst for them reigniting that and finding out why they fell in love in the first place and i think i would like to see more movies like that with see more movies where they're like they're focusing on a relationship far down the line when it really gets tough, not when it's starting off. When it's starting off, it's easy. When it gets down the line and there's actually things, actually problems you have to deal with, actual value changes or changes to your lifestyle you have to make, that's when the real love and real romance comes to fruition. And I don't think any movie really portrays that in a way because it's inherently boring. Well, sure, but is that problematic? I mean, those things all can happen but at the same time like you don't have to see the scenes in a movie where the characters drop in a deuce you still can assume it happens <laughs> i mean that's true but i feel like the reason why i bring this up is because it doesn't give you a realistic expectation for how relationships are and that's the problematic bit right and i think that um you know tom's outlook on life is very unrealistic and very like not not grounded in reality at all. I don't think uh, Summers uh, like ideal you know her um, ideology is is very realistic either. But I think uh, I think that they need to kind of find some other way to uh, express how that feels. You know, uh, other than movies and pop songs. I don't think those serve the the nature of the relationship very well. Well, I'm definitely going to be watching romantic comedies with a larger grain of salt moving forward. Uh, more putting that, sprinkling that grain of salt directly on relationship expectations. I already had a heaping mound of salt that I <laughs> order with every romantic comedy because uh, it's just kind of how I feel about the genre. But this movie makes a good case for being able to tell something compelling, uh, despite the genre. I don't like to generalize. Uh, I think I may be 
grouping, classifying romantic comedies as worse than they are, just as a genre. But well, there's a lot of, of them that are like very formulaic, and there's some that are like this that that kind of break that mold and do something a little more interesting. There's a movie called. Uh, there's a bunch of like interesting like sci-fi rom-coms. There's one called um, Timer about uh, like you you have this thing on your wrist that tells you when you're gonna find the person that you're supposed to spend your rest of your life with. Like tells Whoa. you when, you're, when you'll meet your soulmate. Um, there's another one um, that's really good. It's about like you have to register your relationship with the government, and when you break up, you have to like go through all this paperwork and bureaucracy and stuff. Um, I, how is there? I Wait, that's not how it's called. It, isn't that how it works already? Yes. Except it's like it's for it's for any relationship, um, not just when you're married. Um, it's uh, and you have like a history that you can like pull up on other people and stuff. I can't remember what that one's called. That one was really good. It started a bunch of Asian Americans. Anyway. There's a bunch of really good twists on the genre, and I think this movie falls in that, into that category. I agree. If Tom had learned anything, it was that you can't ascribe great cosmic significance to a simple earthly event. Coincidence. That's all anything ever is. Nothing more than coincidence. Tom Hansen. Yeah. I'm back. Thank you. Tom had finally learned there are no miracles. There's no such thing as fate. Nothing is meant to be. He knew. He was sure of it now. Tom was... Sorry, um, I just left, uh, can I... One second. He was pretty sure. So this is the ending narration. Um, we haven't had... We haven't quoted any of the narration in this movie so far, but I feel like, again, the narration in this movie is... Uh, per, very specifically from Tom's point of view. And they talk about this a little bit in that interview between Zoe Deschanel and, uh, um, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. They say that the, the narration seems authoritative, uh, but it's really specifically about Tom and how Tom sees the world. And um, that's because when you live your life, you, you're the protagonist of your own life. You have a narrator in your own head who's very authoritative about how things should work and how things are. But you know, you're, you're not right about everything. You see things through a certain bias. And you can see here that, that even this authoritative voice kind of falters near the end uh, as Tom's assumptions sort of break down. It's kind of cool. Yeah, no, I, I actually didn't realize that the narration was so clearly uh, biased towards Tom's perspective, but I'm starting to see it now. Another just effective way to tell this story, I think. Yeah, definitely. All right, and with that, we're ready to... Complete our quotable section and move on to our next section. Joey, I think you know what time it is. It is time for us to go a little deeper. Okay, so the thing that I want to talk about is something that I found a long time ago, but I found an article from eHarmony, who, of course, are experts in all relationships, as everyone knows. Um, and uh, actually, well, aren't they at this point? <laughs> <laughs> I actually found a bunch of different articles about this, but um, the one from eHarmony is pretty good. They talk about uh, the difference between interests and values. So uh, when you when Summer and uh, Tom meet, they meet over a song that Tom is listening to. And throughout the movie, they discover that they have very similar interests. They like the same kind of music, the same kind of movies. You know, they disagree on certain things, but overall, they like they have very similar um, tastes. But deeper than that is their values. Their values cannot be more different. 
Tom thinks that love is the most important thing. So he just, Chanel doesn't put any stock into that. Um, and ultimately that is the reason that they break up and they knew that from the very start. And that's true for any relationship. Like your interests don't have to align as much as your values do. You may discover each other through your own interests, but it's really the values that have to match in order for the relationship to actually last. And they, I mean, they, eHarmony says that, and they, I mean, they're kind of experts on this sort of thing, but that's kind of the, uh, the overarching idea is like, if you want to find someone that you feel like is very compatible with them, you have to find out what they stand for and what, like, what is that thing that really drives them? Simply having something in common, like liking a movie or a band is not nearly enough to keep a relationship uh, sustainable. This is what, uh, this is why I'm okay with dating women who don't like sports. <laughs> yes. Because even though I love sports a lot, it's like, you don't have to. Yeah, that's not a super important thing. Um, no, and that's not, I mean, most of the girls I date don't watch a lot of movies. Um, and that's, that is totally fine with me. I mean, it gives me an opportunity to show them movies that I like. But it's also, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not a deal breaker for me. It's not something that's important. What's important to me is that, like, we agree on more, on deeper topics, on, on more uh, substantial things, things that are going to influence the rest of our, our actions. Yeah, no, that's definitely important. It is kind of, uh, I kind of wanted to, oh, like, we've kind of talked about this at this point, but I think that you're bringing it to a pertinent question here is like, why are you in a particular relationship? What is the purpose of the, uh, your union or whatever you want to call it without putting labels on it? You know, <laughs> is it, do you, I mean, and I think this is, this is a genuine question because I think different people come at it from different angles and depending on what that is, will dictate who you can enter into a relationship with. Um, I mean, if you're just, if you're like a romance purist and you're just looking for someone to fall in love with so that you're totally enamored by them, they're totally enamored by you, you are important to each other above all else. And that's love, right? But not everybody is searching for that. Maybe you're, you're looking to start a family. And the most important thing is that the two of you work to cultivate this environment that is ideal for raising children. What if you're dating or if you're, you want to form this union because it would make sense because your um, R&B fan base has a lot of crossover with Jay-Z's rap fan base and right. the two of you would make a huge power couple and could start your own music <laughs> streaming service, you know? So there are business reasons for this too. Or even short-term fun, which compared to those other ones um, might seem a little bit less, it might seem heartless or it might seem a little less compassionate or less lucrative if you want to compare it to Jay-Z and Beyonce, but it's also, I think, a valid reason, or at least I think so. So I guess, are there moral and correct choices for entering into a relationship, or does your personal choice always prevail, and you should find someone whose personal choice aligns with that? Well, I don't, like, I don't believe in the concept of soulmates, or like that there's a certain person out there for you, you know? I feel like the idea of searching for that like one person is kind of a i don't know it's like a like how i don't know i don't understand the logistics of it I you're don't setting yourself how, up to fail yes exactly i for a lot of the relationships that i've been in there's always been a like a certain amount of utility to it you know it's been like oh there are certain purely logical reasons why entering into this relationship would be good for me and the falling in love comes later i i, I start with that basis you know and then that that becomes less important as I fall in love with that person and that kind of replaces it as the base of my pyramid in a way. So I don't know, like I, I've always thought that way in that like 
oh, like there is a certain amount of utility in dating this person. Um, and that's why I want to start a relationship with them. And then the love comes later as I get to know them, as I get to like, spend more time with them, you know, all, all of that. But I have to make that choice in the beginning and it has to come from somewhere. Yeah. And I mean, again, uh, it's something you have to talk about early on. Like, what are your expectations for relationship? What are you yeah. headed towards here? And I think this movie shows it, displays it, but it's also something personally that I find really frightening and something that can be really um, distressful when you discover it, but meeting someone who has different relationship goals than you. And I mean, that's exactly what happens in this film. But if you're feeling like something more serious or long-term or more committed than somebody that you really like, it can really hurt because it's a very personal judgment for someone to say, this is fun, especially when there's no specific reason why not, right? It's just kind of the way that Summer treats Tom in this one. There was just this thing that he didn't have that this other guy ended up having, right? Something that she didn't even know she was looking for. Just she didn't yeah. think existed. And to hear that from Tom's perspective, again, I know he's not the king of self-reflection, but things were working. They were in a relationship. They were happy together. And to have it be not enough for her, it can destroy you completely. Yes, for sure. But I also feel like that's know, that's part of the problem, you know, in that any relationship that that goes on for a certain amount of time can't avoid this question eventually and it will collapse because of it. You know, it has to be, it goes back to the interest and values, you know, it's like yes. if you don't have those similar values, then it's just going to fail. And I, I, like, there's only so much you can do about that besides like changing like your core being. <laughs> yeah, no. And I, I think that that's, I mean, it's important to get that across um, early, but like you said, it's going to, it's going to rear its ugly head one way or another. And if right. you guys don't have the same answer to that question, what do you want out of this relationship? It'll end. And, and, and maybe that's for the best because at the same time, I, I, even though summer is like the bad guy in the relationship because she ends it, that's, I don't think that's true at all. She realized what, that this relationship wasn't headed in the direction that she wanted it to. And even though she doesn't hate Tom and still wants to be friends, she's being merciful by ending it there and letting it, instead of letting it stretch on and on and having the pain be that much more severe when it comes. It's going to hurt no matter what. And the earlier she, she cuts it off, probably the better. And from Tom's perspective, that can be hard to see. Uh, but from Summer's perspective, it, 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 it's like a necessary evil. Um, I, it's one of the things that helped me come to terms with this kind of thing because early in my relationship career i was broken up with almost exclusively like <laughs> <laughs> i didn't do any of the breaking up so it, you start to get that feeling where you're like this sucks why is everyone a jerk i would never do this you know yeah. uh, we were we were so happy together and you were the one who decided it wasn't gonna happen like we couldn't happen anymore and it and you can be like that's just so evil of you how can you be so selfish but then when you're in that situation where maybe you just don't feel the same way about somebody or you know just you've gotten to know them to the point where you know the relationship isn't going to move forward anymore to have to do the exact same thing and at least I, I from my experience there's no pleasure in that it sucks from both sides yeah uh, so i think it's important to realize that as well that if your values don't align you got to end it somewhere yeah, it's going to happen. And I think you're just going to make yourself miserable otherwise. Um, and I mean, that's that's where that comes from. You know, it's like when you break up with someone, it's like, yeah, like I, I it sucks that like we had this, we thought we had this thing and now we don't. But it's 
really like going to be better for both of us if we don't lie, continue lying to us and to ourselves, I guess. Oh, yeah. So it's, again, uh, just overall, to wrap this whole thing up, I think the this movie does such a good job of bringing up real-life emotions and experiences that happen in relationships, and it's, it's not all fun and games. Um, but it can make you feel better knowing that there's other people out there going through it as well. That's right. Okay, this has been a long one, but I think yes, it's important. I, I, this has been cathartic for me, dude. I love, <laughs> I love getting this type of stuff off my chest. Um, but it's time for our ratings. I'm to deliver our ratings. Uh, so why don't, do you want to go first, Joey? What rating yeah, do you want to give I this movie? You ready? Yes. I give this movie a greeting card that says, I look like a really cute guy that believes in love. And when you open it up, it says, but I'm actually an accurate personification of young male entitlement and selfishness. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> that's great. Um, I also have a greeting card that I'm going to give this movie. <laughs> I give this movie a greeting card containing a transcript of this entire podcast episode as an ironically authentic form of expression for how I felt about this film. Let's <laughs> come with a magnifying glass. <laughs> It's one of those ones that when you open it, it like pops up it's like a pop-up book. So there's more surface area just like, for the podcast. It just explodes in your living room. <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. Again, I, I also think that greeting cards are bullshit, dude. I don't, I know, I've never bought a greeting card. I've made a bunch of cards myself. At, when I was a kid, that was how me and my friends did like uh, birthday cards. We would take like one that we got from the last birthday party, scratch out the parts on it that said other people's information and wrote your own. Like that's so good. <laughs> or like get one that's like uh, Father's Day, you know, and cross it out and try to make it say happy birthday. It's like <laughs> <laughs> thank you for being my friend. Like it would be like, thank you for raising us. Thank you for inspiring us. Thanks for being our dad. You know? <sighs> and then so it'd be like, <laughs> thanks for being my friend. Thanks for inviting me to your party. Thanks for always being my friend Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> and uh, yeah, because and, and the reason, even as a kid, I realized how stupid greeting cards are. And I mean, obviously he chops them down in that quote that we uh, played already, but greeting cards are bullshit, dude. And I can't believe they still exist. But I would totally buy greeting cards if they were featuring Pickles the Cat. <laughs> yeah the best idea that was brought up in this movie was actually that was the so great pickles the cat line of I, was, cards. I was seriously impressed <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's gonna do it for 500 days of summer if you guys yes. had any like things that we missed i know this is a very comprehensive episode so if you uh if you think we missed anything don't forget you can contact us in a multitude of ways uh, including our phone number which real quick uh joey what's that number it's 833-600-CHAT. That's right. 833-600-2428. If you had any comments about relationship stuff, if you thought anything uh, that we said needs to be clarified, anything, call us up, leave that, uh, that message. Joey, what's next on Affable Chat? Next is uh, Pursuit of Happiness. Yes. Came and in as a request. That's right. And actually, someone called in. Uh, that's so right. So we'll be playing that voicemail at the beginning of our next episode. Uh, and then we'll be talking about uh, Pursuit of Happiness. Very famous movie. I haven't seen it. Have you, you haven't seen, seen it? it? No, I've never seen it. I've seen it many times. I just, uh, I remember seeing a lot of ads for it and people saying Will Smith is the goat for that one. Um, and his own son plays his own son in that movie, right? That's right. Pff, talk about an easy job. Talk about an easy <laughs> role. 
What do you? What do I do in this scene? Uh, pretend to be Will Smith's son. Oh, that'll be hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a it's a um a prequel to After Earth. I don't get it. Uh, After Earth is the, that M Night Shyamalan movie where they go to Earth and uh, Jane Smith is Will Smith's son. No way. Uh, is another one? Yep. <laughs> Yeah, man, this guy, he's got, uh, they need to let him actually like try out his acting chops. He needs to stop playing himself and everything. He movie. was in the, the remake of the Karate Kid. He was great in that. Is uh, Will Smith still his dad in that one? No, uh, Jackie Chan is his uh, mentor, his Mr. Miyagi. That's right. I've, uh, I saw the ads for that one as well. But that's not what we're going to talk about next. We're going to talk about Pursuit of Happiness next week. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Seriously, we're everywhere. That's right. And uh, wherever you find us, you can also leave us a review. That really helps us grow. Yes, sir. And uh, you can... Outside of the phone call, you can also reach us on Twitter at AffableChat or send us an email, AffableChat at gmail.com. We also have a YouTube channel where we upload videos. That's right. And, uh, you know, check those out. Make sure you scrub scribe and ring that notification bell. But yeah, that's going to do it for this episode of Affable Chat. This has gone on long enough, hasn't it, Joey? Yes, uh, it has. <laughs> so for Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Affable Chat. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. If you have a question, comment, or want to request something for us to talk about, you can reach us at our Twitter account, at AffableChat, or our email, AffableChat at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.